welcome to the podcast of Apostles by the Sea Anglican Church in Rosemary Beach, Florida. You can find out more about us on our website at ApostlesByTheSea.com. Thanks for listening. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, church. A few weeks ago, Ashley and I took a vacation. And uh, it, was one, it was the first one we've taken in three years, where it was just the two of us, no kids. And it was such a great vacation. And the thing is, we love, love Love our kids, just in case they can still hear me. I know one of them's here. Hey, Gray, we love our kids. We're wild about them. But to have just a few days away with no schedules, no demands, it was amazing. And we went to a beautiful place. We went to um, an area a few hours north of San Francisco uh, on the coast. We drove up Highway 1. If you've driven up, have you driven up Highway 1? Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, the coastline is just crazy beautiful. It's not like this one, which is also crazy beautiful. It's a different entire experience. But we had a little cabin right there on the coast, and it was so beautiful. And to tell you the truth, I started daydreaming about possibility, the possible, the possibility of maybe going out there and starting a new church and, uh, over there in California. And listen, I, could, I would call it Apostles by the Other Sea, right? It'd be great. And then... The other part of my Dave dream was not to leave you guys behind, but to convince all of you to move there with us, only for the months of June through August, right? Because then, right? I mean, it'd be, this is when it's crowded here. It's beautiful out there. We could all rent our houses out for the summer. We'd make money. I mean, we'd, it'd, be a, it'd be a profitable thing for us to do. You want to try it? Who's in? A couple of you? Okay, great. Well, we'll talk about it later. But anyway, the truth is, it was just a beautiful experience. I've never been out there before. Uh, no wonder why so many people love the coast of California. The air, air was cool and clear. It was never too warm during the day in the 80s, you know, but at night it got cool enough to light a fire in our cabin. You know, it was just, I mean, it was so lovely. Pretty much stays like that all year round. Can you imagine? While I was there, it occurred to me, you know what, Ashley and I, we're not millennials, but even though we're not millennials, we've got to take selfies of ourselves while we're out here. Because you know how the question goes. If a tree falls in a forest and there's nobody there to hear it, did it make a sound? Well, the new question is, if you go on a vacation, but don't document it on Facebook and Instagram, did the vacation really happen? Right? <laughs> so... We did. We took selfies of ourselves on the coast. We took selfies of ourselves in the Redwood Forest, which was, I mean, it was just, that was amazing. The majestic, those trees. We took selfies of ourselves at the dinner table. It was great. And I did it because I wanted to have some pictures of me with my awesome wife, Ashley. But I also did it because, and this is the truth, because somewhere in here, I wanted to be able to capture these moments and then put them out there so other people would see them, see these pictures, and think, Look at them. Aren't they great? Look at how much fun they're having together. And look how much, I mean, look how much they love each other. And I wanted people to click like on Facebook. So part of that was going through my mind when we were taking pictures. Hey, people will like this picture. Hoping other people would see it and like it and approve of it and hopefully, hopefully think good things about us. Today, Jesus confronts us and he confronts anybody who has ever compared themselves to another person in order to feel better about themselves. 
He confronts anyone who's ever tried to hide who they really are and present something else in order to get the approval of other people. He confronts the tendency that we all have to see the flaws in other people while overlooking the flaws in ourselves. And and then you know what he does? He challenges us. He challenges us to get real. Would you pray with me? Father, would you send your Holy Spirit into this place, just like we sang a moment ago? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And God, would you use the words of Jesus this morning to transform hearts in this place? Would you use them to transform my heart? And would you make us your people in this place? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. God really does. He really does want to transform us. He doesn't want us to stay like we are. He wants to transform us. He wants to give us new hearts. And part of the way he does that is through his spirit, who can reveal to us who we really are who can reveal to us the truth about ourselves. And the thing is, most of us human beings, we don't think we want him to do that. No, don't show us who we really are. Don't expose the truth about us. We've seen what happens when the truth comes out. We've seen, we've seen what happens when, when the news finds out about something about a congressman, right? We see what happens. Or even worse, if the truth comes out about a pastor and what happens in the news. No, thank you, Holy Spirit. We don't want that happening to us. And so we get very good at hiding behind a mask so that nobody can really see what goes on in here. But you know why we should want the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about us? You know why we should want that more than we want almost anything else? Because the truth he reveals actually brings incredible joy and incredible freedom. You know what we find out when we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about us? We find out that we are more sinful than we ever dared to admit. But we're also more loved than we ever dared to imagine. If you know who Tim Keller is, he's the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, and that's something you will hear him say over and over again in the books that he writes. He tells us that the gospel tells us that we are more sinful than we ever dared to admit, but we are more loved than we ever dared imagine. And if we can ever truly grasp that and let it sink into our hearts... And become the thing that we know to be true about ourselves will never be the same. It will transform every part of our lives. The way we relate to each other will be totally transformed. The way we relate to the world, to God, to wealth, to ourselves will be totally transformed if we can get that into us. If we can get that we are more sinful than we ever dared to admit, but we are more loved than we ever dared to imagine. Turn in your Bibles or to Luke chapter 6 or in your bulletins to page 4. And let's look at this together. We're going to start at verse 41. Jesus said, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take, the speck that is in, out, take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out. Take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. And then look up a few verses to verse 36. Jesus tells us, be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Jesus is dealing here with the tendency in all of us to see the worst in others while overlooking or making excuses for our own faults. And the thing is, You know that you do this. 
Okay, let me give you an example of how I know that you know that you do this. Take driving, okay? How many times have you been driving down the highway and some jerk is just flying and he just blazes past you and you think in your heart, man, I hope that guy gets a ticket. Thing is, you only know he's going 90 because you're going 80, right? How much worse is he than you? Jesus isn't interested in us pointing out how bad somebody else's is, pointing out other people's sins. He wants us to deal with our own sins. We want to say, we're really not that bad. I mean, look at that guy. Compared to him, I'm barely even speeding. But that's self-justification. That's looking at someone else, finding fault in them to make you, you feel better about yourself. And wouldn't it, wouldn't it just drive you crazy if you got pulled over, knowing that that guy just blazed by? Cop, hey man, didn't you see that other guy? Anyway, the thing is, the other per- per- person's sins might be quantitatively worse than your own. But that's not the point. Like in a book that I read recently called A Thread of Grace by Mary Doria Russell. Has anybody ever heard of Mary Doria Russell or read that book? Nobody. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, I highly recommend it if you like historical fiction. It's all about, it's all about a true story about the, the Catholics in northern uh, Italy, excuse me, northern Italy, who in World War II sheltered and protected Jews that were fleeing from the Nazi regime. Anyway, uh, what happened is, though, uh, Italy was defeated by the Allies, but there was a vacuum, a period of time in which the Allies didn't take over, and so actually what happened was everything got worse for the Jews because Germany moved in. Italy was gone, but Germany moved in, and so then the church there, and it, was, it wasn't really an organized thing, it was just local little groups of Catholics who were trying to uh, protect the Jews. Anyway, the point of what I'm trying to tell you is this. There's a, a doctor, a German doctor, who came in with the, with the Germans who were trying to take over Italy at that point, and he was just, something had struck him about himself. He had started to realize how horrible he had been. And so he was seeking out priests in Catholic churches, begging priests, would you hear my confession? And a lot of them were refusing. Uh, And so he couldn't find one and he couldn't find one. He finally found one that did. And when he finally was able to make his confession, he confessed to the priest that he had personally been responsible for the deaths of 91,876 people. Jews and gypsies, many of them children in Auschwitz and other places. 91,867 people. And the thing is, the priest had thought he was joking. He couldn't grasp that number. What do you mean? Because usually people are confessing, well, I committed adultery. Or, well, you know, I stole from my workplace. And this guy comes in and says, I've murdered 91,000 people. He couldn't even conceive, it, conceive of it. He was at a total loss. And at that point in the war, there were only rumors about what was happening to the Jews and the gypsies in Germany. No one really knew for sure. And the priest was just stunned. And so here's the thing. Yes, you have likely not caused that much personal suffering in this world. You've probably not killed that many people as that German doctor did. His sins are of greater magnitude than your own. Okay? But that's not, the, what the point of, that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not the point of what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is, he's saying that your sins are always what you should hate most. I should always hate my own sins more than I hate your sins. Was Hitler a monster? Yes. But does that mean that I'm okay? No. 
What I see in me should cause me more sadness than what I see in you. Because I'm the one committing my sins, and that should grieve me. Does that kind of make sense? Jesus doesn't tell us to excuse somebody else's sins. Eventually, in the, in the parable, he says, after you take out this big sin, then you'll see clearly to take out the, sin, the speck in your brother's eye. He doesn't tell us to excuse somebody else's sins or just brush it under the rug. But he does want us to be like Paul, who said in our reading today, this is a true saying and, and, and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now, was Paul really the worst sinner ever? Is Paul the foremost sinner in the world? No one ever sinned more than Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament? I don't think anybody would really say that. I don't think Paul would really say that. In fact, in another place, he said, under the law, I was blameless. But the point he's making is that he, he knows that he's a sinner. And he considers his own sin the worst. Because it's his, and it grieves him the most. The thing is, he's not judging others because he's received God's mercy. And as Jesus says in our passages today, be merciful even as your heavenly Father is merciful. If you know the incredible mercy you have received, and Paul knew it well, then it makes it possible for you to show mercy to others. Okay, look again at our reading on page 4. This time we're going to start at verse 42. How can you say to your brother... Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your own eye, in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, at the theaters, sometimes, especially where they're putting on plays, performances like that, you've seen those two masks, right? Uh, those, two, those two personas, the happy mask and the sad mask. You know what I'm talking about? Back then, in Jesus' day, the actors on stage actually wore masks like that, comedy and tragedy, to help convey to the audience who they were, who the characters were, and what the characters were feeling and experiencing. The actors um, were acting, all the acting happened behind that mask. And when we hear Jesus call someone a hypocrite, he's not just saying, you hypocrite, you don't get it, you're being so hypocritical. He's actually, uh, there's more to it. He's saying, he's using the word in Greek, hypocrite, which means actor, okay? It's the word for actor. And actors back then always wore those masks. And when they were wearing the masks, the masks hid who they really were as a person. They hid what they were really like. Back then you wore the mask to play a role, to pretend to be something that you were not. That's the way it was done on stage. But Jesus says it should never be that way in real life. It's great for the stage, but it's not for real life. That's why he calls the person a hypocrite. Because that person uh, who is always trying to get the speck out of the other person's eye, uh, when he's got his, a plank in his own eye, is pretending to have it all together by focusing on somebody else's faults. He's acting. That's being a hypocrite, Jesus said. That's being an actor. That's wearing a mask. Trying to convince yourself and everybody else that you're okay. And the thing is, there's two types of acting. There's two types of hypocrisy. One is when you're trying to convince everybody else that you are this way when you're actually that way. You're hiding the truth about yourself from others. You're wearing a mask so no one will know who you really are, what you're really like. But the other type of hypocrisy, the worst kind of hypocrisy, 
And that's when you try to convince yourself or when you have convinced yourself that you are this way when you're really that way. You're hiding the truth not only from everybody else, but you're hiding it from yourself. And you do it by always looking at the faults of others and not at your own faults. You do it by keeping that mask on at all costs. But people, Jesus wants us to get rid of those masks and stop being hypocrites. He wants us to get real. In the past few years, there have been some celebrities that have been very vocal about their frustration because uh, in the magazines, every time they go into a photo shoot, they get their picture taken, and then in the magazines, they don't look the same. They look different than what they really are. And uh, God bless these people because they've said, that's not right, and I wish you wouldn't do that anymore. Don't Photoshop me before you publish me. Does that make sense? You know what Photoshop is? Okay. Um, Lots of, no, (laughs) Photoshop. It's like airbrushing pictures to make it look better than it really is. You know, taking off a few pounds, fixing stuff. Lots of celebrities welcome that kind of stuff. They welcome the airbrushing. They welcome the Photoshop fixes because it helps them look better than they really are. But there are some now who think that that's, that it's totally dishonest and they don't like what it does to uh, young people in the, in the world who see these magazines, especially girls who see the magazines and feel like that's what real women look like. But Real women don't look like that. That's what they look like after you take them into a computer and Photoshop everything wrong off of them. Does that make sense? So anyway, it's kind of cool that there are some celebrities that want to have a little of that mask that they are normally wearing taken off to let a little bit of the real self shine through. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm really good at Photoshop. When it was, I really am. I'm really good at Photoshop. Um, I started my music career right after college, and I supplemented my income by working at a, at a place called a pre-press, and that was a place where uh, it was, an, it was an, basically an ad agency, and we did all this work, and so I've, I've color-corrected and done Photoshop work for, for advertisements that about 30 years ago or 25 years ago appeared in Southern Living Magazine. You've heard of that magazine, right? And so we were, we were, we were, on, we were one of the first outfits in the South that... Uh, we were using Photoshop to color correct and and fix pictures. It was very, very, very early stages of of the technology. Anyway, so I've been doing it for a very long time. But here's the truth. If I take pictures, if I take selfies of myself out on, say, uh, the West Coast, maybe in California with my wife, awesome wife Ashley, and I want to put that picture on the Internet, on, on Facebook or something or on Instagram, you know what I do? I take it into Photoshop first. I don't just put it out there. No, I don't want you to see what we really look like. I take it into Photoshop and I do a little bit of magic and I make that blemish go away. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've got this thing right here between my eyes. Everybody's pointed it out to me. Thank you for those that haven't, but I know it's there. My mom said, hey, John, oh, you've got this thing. I know. I wish I could Photoshop life right now. I could just Photoshop it. You wouldn't even see it. Don't look at it. Don't stare at it anymore. Okay. Anyway, I would make the blemish go away or maybe I'd fix this chin a little bit so you don't see how... How it hangs down more than I want it to. Because I know and I feel, and I feel that you people, when you see that picture on Facebook, will love me just a little bit more if I look a little bit better. You know? And the thing is, we all do that. Whether or not you're a Photoshop expert, we all really do that. We pick and choose what pictures we put out there for people. Oh, I don't look good in that picture. We know which side looks best. You know, what's my good side? But we do that because we've experienced in life, we've experienced in life that the better we look or the better impression we make on others, the better we get along in life. 
I mean, what people think about us matters so much in what happens to our life because it can be the difference between a date with the girl and not a date, right? Or it can be the difference between an offer for a job or a rejection letter. And so it's no wonder that we spend, that we've been trained from birth to spend so much time and effort worrying about how we look to others. It's no wonder that that same sort of behavior carries over into our lives with God. Because our acceptance in the world is based on how well we perform. It's easy for us to think that that's the way God works too. And so we try everything we can to look good for him and hide from him the bad stuff. But you know what the gospel tells us? The gospel tells us that God doesn't accept us because we're good. He doesn't accept us because of anything we've done. He accepts us because Jesus is good and because of what Jesus has done. And that's what makes us, makes it possible for us to be real and to throw away the masks and to stop acting. When I know that God has seen my sin, has seen my flaws, has, uh, has seen what I don't want anybody else to ever see, and has loved me all the same. When I know that Jesus died for me, even though I didn't deserve it, and even though I was living like an enemy to him, that's what makes it possible for me to take off the masks and to admit who I really am and to say with St. Paul today, this is a true saying and worthy of all to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst one. But think about it. If he came into the world to save sinners, and he did, and I know that I'm a sinner, one of the worst, you know what that means? It means that he came into the world to save me. He came into the world to save you. He came into the world knowing who you are, knowing your heart, We say it every Sunday when we start our service. We say, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you, what? No secrets are hid. He knows us. He knows it all. He knows everything about you. He sees you clearly. He sees through your masks. He sees the bitterness that's there. He sees the jealousy that's there. He sees what you hide from everybody else and hope that nobody ever finds out. He sees you. Nothing is hid from him. But think of this. Knowing everything about you, he still said, you are of unsurpassable worth to me. I know it all, but you're so worth it to me. And so I will willingly lay down my life on the cross to take away your sin, to cleanse you and to heal you and to make you whole and make it so you can live with me, have life with me forever. And people... If that's my foundation, if that's what gives me worth, then what do I need a mask for? If that's your foundation, if that's what gives you worth, then why do you need the mask? And if it starts to sink in how much mercy we've received in our lives, then there's no way we're walking around judging other people anymore. No. We will be merciful Just like Jesus commands us, we will be merciful even as our Father in heaven is merciful. Does that make sense? Is that encouraging to you? Let's pray. Father, you do see us as we are. All our hearts are open to you. Nothing is hid from you. And yet, you love us. 
And Jesus, you became one of us to reconcile us to your Father and our Father. So help us to be real. Help us to take off the masks and be real. Help us to hate our own sin more than we hate anybody else's. Help us to be merciful, God, even as you are merciful. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.